Today's message is entitled, The Gift of Gratitude. The Gift of Gratitude. Um, there are special, I guess maybe the trendy word would be to say hacks, little life hacks. Y'all are familiar of maybe some grandmother uh, little truths she had to help you along life's way, little hacks in life. Well, there are some what I call spiritual life hacks. There are seasons of dryness, of wilderness, of desert, of discouragement and disappointment that happens and happened and will happen to each of us along life's journey. And today I want to share about one of the spiritual hacks I've found to be the most beneficial in my life. And that is the gift of gratitude. The gift of gratitude. You know, we grow up in society, I guarantee you, you may say, I didn't learn a whole lot from my parents. But I bet you learned two important words. Thank you. And if you were more blessed, you learn, please and thank you. We live, hopefully, in a culture, right? We're used to saying thank you quite often. But sometimes it can become such a habit that we just lose the power behind the phrase. To be present in the moment and offer thank you can be quite a powerful experience for one's heart. Because here's what it does. It postures our heart in the place of gratitude. We're going to look at Acts 16 in a moment, but I want to share a verse. Don't groan, okay? This is one of those verses you're going to be tempted to groan. No groaning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. Paul gives some encouragement. He says, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. As a church, we're all about you knowing God's plan, God's purpose, being in step with the Spirit. It's important to have a vision for your life. It's important, even as a church, to have a vision for health and growth and reaching people and building lives. It's important in your family to set goals and have dreams, somebody, and have purpose in your marriage and your closest friendships. All of that's important. We are all about that. Matthew 28, go into all the world. Make disciples. Yes, yes, yes. Paul gives us some helpful advice. Basically, he's saying, while you go about your business, while you go about doing God's will for your life, give thanks in every circumstance. Now we can groan. I need to. Let's collectively groan. Three, two, one. Mm. Paul's encouragement is give thanks despite or in spite of the circumstances. The gift of gratitude, to receive, if you will, the gift of gratitude, to begin to open that gift and unlock that gift in the face of disappointment, the face of discouragement, in the face of unmet expectations, is truly to lift one's altitude of our attitude. How many of you know there are people fulfilling God's 
purpose for their life. And then there's another group that's actually happy doing it. Right? What have those people done? They have received and opened the gift of gratitude. Paul is in Philippi in Acts chapter 16. Paul is on his second missionary journey. Let me pull back. If you don't know Paul, that's okay. Paul was an evangelist. He had a radical encounter with the living God, got saved, set free, filled with the Holy Spirit, and just rocked on from there. Never looked back. He went on city to city to city, planting churches, sharing the gospel. And he found himself in some very strange and difficult circumstances. We're about to read one of them. In Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 24. Follow along with me. Let me get there. All right. I'm there. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, who's writing this? His name's Dr. Luke. Luke is writing this. So when he says we, he's just kind of in the background seeing all this play out. He's a tour companion of Paul. All right. Once we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. I love this next line. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. Parents, that's a little life hack right there. All right? this holiday season. You haven't lived unless your mama is coming and smacked you upside the head with some anointing oil. No, I'm kidding. All right. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews. And are throwing our city into an uproar. Both lie. By advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. More lie. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Happy Thanksgiving. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Acts 16, 6 through 24 is some crazy scripture. The book of Acts is the unfolding of the early church. The Holy Spirit empowering his people for witness. People fumbling forward in a lot of ways. Paul and Silas going about doing the works of God, planting and, and creating churches and sharing the good news. It's, it's amazing. And then verse 24. Because of their good works, because of their witness, because of their following the leading of the Lord, they find themselves in a bit of a frail situation. How many of you know it's more than spiritual warfare when there are physical chains around your feet. That's a whole nother level. And so 
Your, your Bible, here's what it's going to do. It's going to go right to verse 25, and that's good. But I want us to stop and ponder verse 24 and a half. Good news is I just made it up. It's not in your Bible. But the Bible is filled with these stories throughout where it doesn't necessarily give us complete access or insight to what's running through Paul and Silas's mind. But we have to take a breath because verse 25 is so counter-cultural, so un-American or un-any ethnicity in the world that it needs our pondering, needs our thinking. And I want you to put yourself in Paul's shoes. It's great. I'm not going to call on you, so you don't have to answer. You can answer silently. But answer authentically. What's your next verse? What's your next phrase? What song are you singing? For some of you, it's Charlie Daniels. The devil went down to Georgia. Some of you, you got some ACDC. Highway to hell, right? You just like, let me play some songs that are, this is the worst possible moment, the worst possible situation. Now, others of you, I know you're so saved, you got your way FM on. I know that. Got some Lauren Daigle singing, you are, you know, I mean, you, you got the whole flow. For others of us, we're knocked sideways. We're planning churches for good. Goodness sake. Hey, God, have you forgotten? God, are you with us? I mean, a few verses ago, Paul's casting out demons. And everybody's interested. And then a few hours later, after being stripped, after being beaten, they're locked in stock. Cat and serving angels. Life may show up a little differently in your life. Your circumstances may be a little different, right? Um, nobody found me in the cafe and said, listen, Thanksgiving was hard. We were stripped. We were beaten with rods. Oh, that sounds familiar. <laughs> no, I mean, we were, we were changed. No, that hasn't been our experience, but for some... You've been knocked sideways. For some, disappointment's coming knocking at the door. Discouragement has entered the soul. I know those experiences real, very well. God, through the inspiration of Scripture, through the story of Paul, he doesn't tell us, shove those emotions down. Just bottle it up. Bottle it up. Push him to the side. Don't feel. Just become a robot. Be numb. No. God goes with us into the pain, and he invites us out. Or he invites us through it. Through, as upside down and obscure as it sounds, through the gift of gratitude. Gratitude has led me from a very desperate, difficult season. It has shifted my mindset into a place of peace, into a place where I can hope again and receive strength again. doesn't happen overnight, 
but it begins to slowly unfold in my life. I am astounded the words of verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. That's Paul and Silas. I mean, that's the crazy Christianity. Jesus can invite us into. There's a temptation I put. I'm only going to share three of them today. You're welcome. But allow me the symbolism, okay? Allow me to creatively structure our remaining minutes together. I identify because I know them so well, okay? This isn't a passive-aggressive message. I don't project these on you because I know these all too, too well. But there's a temptation in verse 24 and a half. That instead of worshiping and praying and praising, we can begin to be shackled by entitlement, by pessimism, a.k.a. negativity, or apathy. Think about that. By entitlement, pessimism, or apathy. I'll let you all off the hook. This message isn't for you. It's for your neighbor, okay? So just enjoy these words. But I think in verse 24 and 5, I've, I've felt the knock of the enemy on my soul in the midst of a season of unmet expectations. Whether people or God himself, I have sensed unmet or felt the weight of unmet expectations. And I'm just encouraging you here. You're like, this doesn't sound like encouragement. Wait till the end. I'm just encouraging you here to equip you. I'm not proposing it has, but when these chains come knocking, gratitude will be a gift to unlocking the lies and the whispers of the enemy over your soul. Because everybody around here, you have all stepped into good, helpful company. We all have felt unmet expectations. Paul and Silas invite us into this story and show us the way to respond. Paul and Silas were just pulling off words that Paul would later write in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18, which I shared at the outset. Paul and Silas were worried. They're just rejoicing. They're just praying. They're trusting. They're surrendering this moment, this experience, this season to God. And they're, I can imagine... Giving thanks, just a posture of thanksgiving. And it's a life that guards against some of the nature of the enemy over our soul. So, fun three words, right? Entitlement, pessimism, apathy. Wow, I'm so glad I came this morning. All right. Entitlement. Entitlement defined is the right to guaranteed benefits under a government program as social security or unemployment compensation. It's entitlement. I am entitled because of my rights. Spiritually speaking, 
Spiritually speaking, entitlement is a posture of the heart during unmet expectations where we lose sight of the goodness of God. We lose sight of his generous love towards us. And we focus our attention on what he didn't do instead of all that he has done for us. I'm familiar with entitlement. I'd like to say, you know, I'll let it go really quickly. No, sometimes it comes in waves. And sometimes the voice of culture can inundate the soul. And we can begin to live from a place of entitlement. And some of the next, the older generation, you're acting like you have no idea. I know you know entitlement. I know y'all got some kids and some grandkids. You're like, they're just entitled. You won't say it here at church, but you're saying it on the drive home. Man, they just, they're just so entitled. That's what this next generation, they think everything's going to be handed to them. I understand. And, and they probably do, okay? It's human nature. But the enemy of our soul can begin to, uh, to store up within us a sense of, and a perspective of entitlement. When I'm in the zone of entitlement, I have these words, though they may never come out of my, my prayer closet. They coming out somewhere. God, you owe me. God, I deserve X, Y, and Z. God, you really missed it. Paul and Silas could have taken this route. Shackled in stocks, they are out planting churches, sharing the gospel. They are leaders in the early church movement. Yet Paul and Silas never lost sight of their mission and the lover of their soul. They praised God, worshipped, gave thanks, surrounded by prison walls. As we open the gift of gratitude in our lives, we guard against the spirit of the age in entitlement. A sense of being owned by God, or owed by God and owed by others. God invites us to stand in faith, to trust him, and in our lives continually give I'm not saying you got to do it, right? I'm just, again, as I said earlier, I'm just encouraging you. This is just a pastor offering helpful pastoral counsel from the temptations of the enemy. You can also use this not just in your vertical relationship with God, but your horizontal relationship with others. Come on, you ever had unmet expectations with other people? Now, come on, y'all playing, don't you? No, I'm just kidding. Think of the closest relationship you have. Extended family, family, friends, coworkers, bosses, if you're the boss, employees. And what can begin to do is we focus so heavily on the mistakes, on the missing of the mark, that we lose sight of the gift in front of us. By the way, that's how the enemy creates enemies. The enemy of your soul, he, he, I guarantee you, every enemy in your life, this is where it started. An unmet expectation that was never addressed, and it gave fruit to bitterness, and that bitterness has built resentment. It's a beautiful house. 
but it's on a faulty foundation. And so marriages suffer. Relationships suffer. Friendships suffer. They all come back to, now we wouldn't admit it, but a sense of entitlement. You owed me this. And what happens is we can get so fixated. Man, why why don't they ever pick up their socks? I wish he would vacuum just once. Just once. Just park on the right side of the driveway. Just Listen, listen, honey, after you use the restroom, I'd really appreciate it if you flushed, right? These are none of our experience. I'm just making you all feel welcome. (laughs) Ten-year-old and six-year-old. But here's what's funny. It's funny how the seeds of the enemy plant. He'll do it in the workplace. He'll do it in the workplace, and something that is beautiful becomes broken because of a perspective we hold. And it can happen. I've seen this so often in people's relationship with God. Because one thing we always must keep before us is that Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. We believe here. I am confident that God is writing a good and beautiful story in your life. But there's going to be plenty of temptations along the way to take a detour, to veer off the road, because God somehow didn't come through in the timing and in the way we had hoped. And it's the same in our relationships and in our friendships. And God invites us. He says, open the gift of gratitude. Like sometimes you just got to do it by faith. You just speak life by faith. In fact, you're almost always speaking life by faith. And God always responds in our faith. And Paul, I don't know, but I just have a hankering. He had a hankering that God wasn't done. And this wasn't how the story would end. And so he never postured his heart in a place of entitlement. The second is pessimism. Paul and Silas, at least we don't see any pessimism in the story or negativity. Miriam Webster defines pessimism as an inclination to emphasize adverse aspects, conditions, and possibilities, or to expect the worst possible outcome. Aren't we grateful for pessimists in our lives? The second portion of the definition says, the doctrine that reality is essentially evil, the doctrine that evil overbalances happiness. Now, I can't speak into, well, actually, I can. Yes, sin has caused some very much evil to be. But Jesus, as I last recall and experience, has overcome the evil one and overcome the systems and principalities and powers of evil and the darkness that's in our world. And so we could choose. I want you to think about this. We could choose to shift our perspective. And some of you, I know, it's not only opening the gift of gratitude. You were masterfully, expertly trained by the family you grew up in. The pessimism was always on the table. But y'all left church, went home, talked about the pastor's shoes. No, I'm just kidding. Y'all, y'all left home. And on the way to school, you just talk, you just, you just talking about how terrible things are. 
And what, what, do, you, what, do, you, what do you do? You give, you give um, credence, if you will, or you're affirming a, a negative culture, pessimistic perspective on life. God doesn't invite us to overlook or to discount or to somehow become numb to the disappointments and heartaches of life. No, 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 no. He goes headfirst in with us, meets us in the pain, meets us in the difficulty, gives us his presence, but you have to know something about the Holy Spirit. He is the most hopeful person you'll ever meet. He has unending joy. He has unceasing peace and calm. And it can be aggravating because I don't know about y'all self-pity. I'm, I'm, it's probably not as, you probably haven't mastered self-pity as well as I have. Let me just say that. And when I get in the self-pity flow and get it going, man, that little flame can become a raging bonfire. And then the Holy Spirit comes in and he's just like, that's cold water being dumped all over my bonfire and cancels it out. And he says, Paul, I'm with you in the pain. I'm so, I'm so I, I grieve with you. I, I, I'm sorry this is your, your, your moment. But l- l- listen, listen, listen. You're not without hope. Hope is always on the table. Peace is always on the table. You, you don't know. I mean, there are just things in life you don't know. You don't know if by the year end a promotion isn't coming your way. I mean, don't be so surprised. You don't, you don't know if some best friends are coming your way. You don't know if there's some families coming in to your life that are going to make all the difference, that you'll look back and be like, my goodness, that year ended well. I mean, you have no idea. Why not get your expectations up? Because the culture, right, we're fed daily that we're not good enough, we're not measuring up, and we're, on top of it all, we're given a slew of a hundred different devices that can help our life move forward. And so we're, we're kind of always, if you will, at a negative. Here's the deal with God. Last time I checked, we still have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, two-thirds of the angels, and our good Lord. The odds are in our favor. I have a feeling that Paul, he was able, and Silas, he was able to look beyond the current circumstance. You know, it's funny. They weren't shackled and like, I don't see a shackle, Silas. I want you to forget you're in a shackle. Don't think about being in prison. No, they embraced their situation, but they knew that they were overshadowed by Almighty God. And that is to open the gift of gratitude, to give thanks in all circumstances, to give thanks in every moment. And it breaks, the final chain it breaks is that I've found, I've experienced this firsthand, that gratitude breaks the chains of apathy. Do you know this truth? The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is apathy. Sometimes a good old argument is good. And I've seen in relationships, especially in marriages, when one spouse just don't care, know, 
mouth, it's a much heavier mountain to climb than when they're just arguing like cats and dogs. Why? Because passion is still on the table. They still care deeply. They don't see eye to eye, but they still care deeply. Can I tell you, sometimes passion in your relationship with God is letting out all the disappointments. It's letting out all the pain. It's actually expressing. I do this. Don't be surprised. I let God know my unmet expectations of him. <laughs> You're like, he hasn't struck you down? Not yet. So far, so good. <laughs> I'll keep you posted. But I know God can handle it. The book of Psalms. My goodness, the book of Psalms. Whew. I mean, it's got some stuff in there, y'all. Some people processing some pain. Some people passionately, passionately describing their unmet expectations. But then it will end. Then the psalm will end by just some strange phrase like, I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I'm going to be blah, blah, blah. Pain, 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 pain. Difficulty, 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 difficulty. Disappointment, disappointment, disappointment. But I have hope. And sometimes, sometimes we have to shake off the shackles of apathy from our own soul. Because if you're following along, entitlement will lead to pessimism. And unchecked pessimism will lead to apathy in our spiritual life, in our relationship with God. So how do you break apathy? Worship. Praise. And I'm going to step on some toes right now, and I apologize. This may need to turn off 103.1 country hit for a season. You may need to just dial in to some worship music for a season. Right? I mean, you, you don't need to hear about another person losing their dog, losing their, you know, losing their truck broke down. I mean, you know, I'm, te I'm telling you, and I, I like country music a little bit. All right, but what I'm, we sometimes have to begin to worship, begin to praise, begin to speak life, begin to speak hope, begin to express it by faith, trust, that step by step, God will lead us through and beyond. It's a gift of gratitude. It's a, it's a posture of the heart. It's a posture of the heart that in and through life's circumstances, even in the mystery of it, sometimes there's just so much unknown. Trust me, in our faith journey with God, there's so much unknown. So many questions, if you will, left for the other side. But we can trust God that his word sustains us. And that Paul and Silas, if they give us any inclination of what to do, they would say, listen, worship, praise, stand on the word of God, stand on the hope of God, trust him, trust him, trust him, trust him. Moments before verse 16, they won't come up, but moments before verse 16. I mean, God is all over this missionary journey. They're led to Philippi. They're looking for a place to pray. When they go to pray, they meet Lydia. Lydia, really, and Paul and Silas planted the church in Philippi. Later, he would write a letter to the Philippian church. Oh, he's writing the letter in prison? 
And it's one of the most joy-filled books of the whole Bible. It's God inviting us. Be invited into the gift of gratitude. To see what God is up to. To not fixate on how he's missed the mark. But to fixate on the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. That somehow the mystery of the gospel story, it still reaches us today and in this place. That truly the forgiveness of our sin is enough in the difficulty of life's moments. That truly knowing we haven't been left alone, that God is sheltering us, that he is a sure foundation, that he is a refuge, is enough even in the midst of life's difficulties. I end with the rest of the verses. The worship led to a breakthrough. There's no bones about it. Paul and Silas took ground by faith. They didn't take it by their feelings, I'm sure. They didn't just take it for what it was. They pushed through entitlement, pessimism, apathy. They didn't just lie over, forget this, we're done. This is the end of the road, Silas. You know, wish me luck. You know, they didn't just pass out. They worshiped. And verse 26 says, suddenly, suddenly, often that is how it happens, suddenly. God with Joshua before they went, he said in 24 hours, suddenly God can turn things around. We have a suddenly God. There was a, such a violent earthquake. The foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open. Everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up. When he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. You're saying, why? Because he was as good as dead. His oversight would have taken his life for what was happening. Because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. And Paul, Paul and Silas, you could tell him they wouldn't let him leave. Paul had to preach. He had the gift of pastoral anointing. The worst possible time for a message. Pastors, step in. You're welcome. And, and, so, and so he's there. And the jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. You're in your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them washed their wounds, then immediately he and his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. God's writing a beautiful story. If we can maintain gratitude, our perspective grows. 